0: building, manufacturing, investing, and how industrial hemp can benefit people's lives, heal the planet, and how it can be used to make thousands of products and boost the economy and business. So, are you ready to join the iHemp Revolution?
1: Hey, this is Coach Freddie here. I'm having a conversation with Brandon Pitcher with Blue Circle Development in Colorado. Welcome, Brandon. How are you doing today?
2: Thanks, Coach. Uh, good to talk to you again. Pretty, pretty nice day here. You know, last week I was in Midwest so I was negative 14, so it's you know about 50 degrees here today. So I'm pretty happy about that.
1: Today I want to talk to you a little bit about your business and yourself, Blue Circle Development, and what that is actually.
2: Okay, um, you know, Blue Circle Development as an actual entity we started uh, little
0: well over a year ago
2: as a partnership between a company I had called Hemp Circle Industries and uh, Real Hemp, which is a division of the Stevia Corporation. And we came together to help later to, to invest in the emerging you know, industrial hemp markets from farming, uh, you know, doing contract farming to speculative farming, all the way to product development and genetics work. Um, you know, we have a relationship with Evo Hemp, which is uh, one of the mm-hmm. uh, the larger traded food companies in, in, in hemp, um, and we work really closely with them. And um, <clears throat> you know, so we, we're we're partnering you kind know, of this year with with those guys doing a project with uh, Native Americans, and also launching an new CBD line nationally, expand you know their brand and expand uh, the farming. Into to tribal properties as well, and a more of a, a larger scale, uh, you know, with, with a buyer in hand and all that.
1: Tell us a little bit about the background basically on yourself and how you emerged into the industrial okay, hemp.
2: Yeah, I started in, um, in a lot of real estate development in the Midwest, um, sustainable-oriented development. We did a lot of uh, deconstruction of buildings and reused materials um uh, one of the larger companies in the nation to focus on that, uh, did, did a couple hundred buildings, you know, that way while I was around working in the Midwest, and then I got involved in what's called ZERI, Zero Emissions Research and Initiatives, and that took me around the world, and so I traveled to over 50 countries, oh, almost 50 countries, um, doing research and on and, and developments and implementation of sustainable projects. Um and my mentor is a man named gunther Pauli and, and he kind of opened my eyes and introduced me to a larger network around the world and, and educated in an education that was a little bit different than what a traditional, you know, university education would have provided me twenty years ago. And then and I got to see, you know, the actual work and learn how the design was done and how the implementation was done, from mushroom farms to algae projects to wastewater treatment plants to the first islands to eliminate diesel imports, you know, in, in Europe. Um, so, so it was a really exciting education, and, and it allowed me to learn, you know, how to design systems um, for for no waste, I guess, you know, and the, mm-hmm. uh, and and so I've always been focused on that, and then that got me into. Um, As I was traveling the world with these projects, my mentor's framework had to do with the five teams of nature. Plants, you know, a very big part, you know, algae, mushrooms, you know, bacteria, and fungi, you know, and how they they interact to create sustainability and ecosystems and how to utilize those. And and, uh, everywhere I went around the world, it seemed, you know, from Japan to, to, you know, uh, Sweden to Russia, you know, to Italy, you would ask people, what is the best inputs for industrial uses? And it always came back to cannabis, you know, and, uh, and hemp, you know. And, and so it was why why would we have something illegal? Why would we outlaw something that's so useful for humanity, especially in a time like now where you're going through the sixth great mass extinction, you're going through all these issues with, with economics and, you know, recessions and depressions and all these things going on? You know, so we need to be be utilizing all our resources instead of trying to outlaw some of them.
1: Can you explain why you chose the industrial hemp side of uh, uh, the cannabis plant?
2: You know, a lot of reasons are because, you know, for sustainability purposes, it's going to be the best use in the long term, you know, for, for, again, fiber and and grain and protein and things like that. We're we're a protein starved world. We're not going to be able to produce enough cows for the whole world to to eat, you know, protein from not or enough fish. We're running out of that, you know. So we had to come up with something else. So, you know, cannabis is a great way, you know, to feed the world, uh, high quality protein, and then and, and so I think that's very important. We all maybe we don't disregard things like CBD or THC, you know. We I, I, I work right. in those industries. I work. I, I have CBD farms, you know, as well. Um but those are more economically driven than than they are sustainability driven, you know. Um, uh-huh. <clears throat> which which the economics can help lead to sustainability, of course, you know, financially. But 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 you know, when you're talking about ecological sustainability
1: it's a little different. You do contract farming. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Well, we see contract farming uh, when you move, when you when develop like corn or soybeans or whatever, you want to get some more standardized understanding of the industry. And, and, and the contracts, in my mind, eliminate a lot of the guesswork and a lot of the risk for the farmers, you know, and so we can go to them with a the contract and say, look, we'll buy, you know, this product for this price, you know, and, and, and then they don't have to really worry about so much. And then we also do, you know, they'll know that they have a bio at the end of the year. Now, they may not make as much money if they'd be speculative about it, but at least it it de risk a lot of their situation, and it helps them to be able to get financing, um, you know, going forward. We also Uh will uh, will do the opposite, which we will let people contract us to do the farming. We'll do more supply management contracts where you can supply people with, with, you know, the raw product if they'd rather you do the farming, you know. So we, 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 we will do both, um, but, but in both cases, though, it's still a, a contract farming model where you, you you have specs and specifications of the quality and the standards that you want of the product and the prices you'll pay going into the into the growing season instead of growing it and hoping they you might sell it at the end.
1: And it gives a little assurance to the, the farmer growing it that uh, they'll have a market for, for their product when it's harvested. So you're working with Native Americans. I'm interested in seeing what you're doing with the Native Americans, also.
2: Okay. Well, right now, I mean, last year we worked with uh, a, a group, the um, White Plume Hemp Company, uh, with a man named Alex White Plume and his uh, business partner Jeremy. And so we 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 helped them on on their farm. We we did. They wanted to do a CBD farm, so we did help them out. Um, we helped them with genetic, you know, procuring genetics. And um, procuring some some labor for the farm um, and, and some of the design work and you know setting up irrigation and things like that, and then giving providing advice throughout the the season how to how to maintain the plants how to harvest them how to you know store them, how to package them you know and how to sell it you know, and how to turn that into products and in this case we're going to we're doing a partnership with Evo Hemp, where we will yeah. develop a new line of, of high quality CBD products. Um, that was grown on Native American property, um, and we would also um, look at uh, doing a partnership with this same tribe because that after that was successful, um, they now are, have come to us and, and are interested in, in a larger partnership and have committed. They said potentially a thousand acres, you know, to, to farming, but, but we're going to start maybe with about a fourth of that, so maybe 200, 250 acres. Um, this year for grain production, um, so that way, you know, we could, we can supply, you know, the, you know, our, our own companies plus some others for, for grain and getting they, these, these tribes, you know, off the ground for, and, and, knowing, hey, they, they have the money coming back, they have a buyer in hand again, instead of just, you know, speculatively growing grain crops for, you know, a large acre, because it takes quite a bit of investment to, to do that, you know.
1: Can you tell us a little bit
2: about uh, what a green crop is? Uh, you know, similar to soybean or corn or whatever, it's uh, the seed really is what we're growing it for and the oil and the fiber, not fiber, the protein, sorry, the oil and the protein. and So it's more for a okay. food crop for for human beings or even livestock. Uh, it's a great feed for livestock and, and fish and things like that. We've, We've seen that that works great, but, but um, you know, for, for humanity, it's one of the best proteins you can eat. Or in, in a world that's searching for protein alternatives, it, it, to me, you're not going to find much of a better one than hemp, um, just because of it's, its you know amino acid profile and its uh, you know its you know usefulness and digestibility for for the human you know system. You know, all animals. So I don't know if there's an animal that hemp is bad for.
1: So. Tell us a little bit about your vision for the 2018. Where do you see yourself uh, by the end of this year?
2: Well, we're partnering with larger companies to help scale, you know, so things like cloning. Uh, We're partnering with large companies in California and other places to bring things to scale. We're partnering with uh, working on a negotiation now with a guy who's developed different strains for different ailments from autism to, you know, you know um, epilepsy, for, and, and he creates all the way through to the end products from those different genetics and, and has been tracking them for years, and so we've been working with, with them to try to, you know, identify what's, what's really happening in these things. Why does this genetic work better for this issue than another, you know, um, for the why the terpenes that we're producing in the hemp or whatnot, the CBD ratios and how those are working for, the, for these patients. Um, sure, so we're trying to get that that one done, you know. And then, then we also want to help spread it and and, and uh, work with as you know many people that I think that are committed to to expanding the industry around the nation and globally, um, because it's not just the Colorado thing. It's it's, a, it's very much international. I mean, I think Coachware we got reconnected on a project in the Virgin Islands recently. That has tremendous That's right. potential, you know, um, to help to help that region. And I've been going down the Caribbean for, you know, 20 years now since you know, I was, you know, a teenager. And, uh, and I've been watching the developments and how things are going. And I think currently if you can bring, I don't know if you need to say anything to bring hemp farming all the time. Some of these islands aren't great for farming or for industry. But if we start bringing in things like the hemp hempcrete materials and the blocks and teaching people how to use them, you know, you're going to create much better structures you know, for them to withstand the next challenges that come their way. Uh, same thing as in California with the fires. You build out a hempcrete, and you're most likely not going to have so many burned structures.
1: I believe we all have to think a little bit more about sustainability and, and what products we're actually buying and uh, how we're running our daily lives, actually. What's your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, education is big. I mean, earlier today, that's actually something we worked on um, with the community group here in Boulder. That's that's, that's kind of getting started with a bunch of environmental, you know, you know, experts and, you know, PhDs and doctors and, you know, other professionals, architects, and some farmers were there today. And, you know, trying to build this community coalition here to to educate, to think differently and how to design differently and how energy, you know, water, food – Healthcare, you know, buildings, you know, education, and job creation, economic development, are, are, can be thought of differently, and, and we can design differently to achieve the same goals of growth and, and capital gains, and all these things that we want, without having to harm the environment in the process. We can we can do it differently. There are models out there from around the world um, that showcase this, from buildings that you know run off the energy of algae and digesters to you know, communities no waste going to landfills. You know, they're, they're, mm-hmm. they exist. They exist, and we just have to be open enough to learn from them and, and make the changes required uh, to implement.
1: What is the one thing that you can see that
2: you know? It's it's probably the awareness. The you know, the and, and the descheduling of hemp. You know, from from. Mm-hmm from any kind of uh it's not a drug, you know, it's not it's not it's not anything well health report just you know came out said CBD, non you know, not non non psychoactive, you know, and all these things and then okay. So I mean I don't see yeah. how in, in any way, shape or form could be considered, you know, a Schedule One drug. It doesn't make sense yeah. to me. Um you know, and, and yeah. so and that's that's holding us back from doing research. That's holding us back from scaling up that's holding us back from financing and banking you know that's holding us back from all these things so unless there is some kind of conspiracy going on to you know to keep hemp from being out there in the industrial world i don't know any other reason why they would make it a schedule one that doesn't have any any real real no real scientific or logical validation
1: for that is there anything that you would like to tell our listeners
2: you know we're open to, to to collaboration, to talking with different people and helping them you know with our you know experience over the last couple of years in the industry, growing, trying to sell products, you know trying to make things you know um, you know with different investments that we've done. you know we've got a pretty good understanding of where we're at and, and where we need to go. Um, so I mean, we can, so I think we're we're open to do a lot of advising and consulting as well which we don't do a lot of uh, currently. We're trying to do more implementation, but I think as this thing gets a lot bigger, you know, we're we're taking on different projects around the world and we're going to have to be more open to educating and teaching people and other people how to how to implement themselves, you know.
1: Well, Brendan, I want to thank you for being a guest on the I Have Revolution podcast and part of the I Have Revolution Roadshow. That, uh, so thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Coach. I always enjoy it.